Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you, and today is Friday, September 4th, and we've made it to Labor Day weekend. I hope you have some fun on the agenda over this long weekend before settling in for football season starting next week. On this week's podcast, we have a full review of the busiest week of the year to date at TIAA Bank Field, including the aftermath of the major moves. Fournette, Ngakwe, and Harrison are all moving on, and why the Jaguars' first round history must change. Plus, Doug Marone gives us the four things he wants from players on the Jaguars roster. Let's start early in the week with the biggest change of the week. The Jaguars waived former first-round pick running back Leonard Fournette Monday. He later cleared waivers and was signed as a free agent by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Unfortunately, that move continued a trend of Jaguars' first-round picks not signing a second deal with the organization, a problem that goes back a while. Only three of the Jaguars' first-round picks from 03 to 17 signed second deals with the team. Tight end Mercedes Lewis, defensive lineman Tyson Alualu, and quarterback Blake Bortles. On Jaguars Happy Hour Monday, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, and I broke down that unfortunate history and explained why it needs to change now. Are you going to hit on all your first rounders? No, but you're going to hit on a high percentage. And those are the guys yeah. that, especially top five picks, those are the guys you have to build your franchise around. Those are the guys going to the you know, I was going to say Hawaii, but it's not in Hawaii anymore. Those are the guys going to the Pro Bowl. Those are the guys who are top three at their position group. Those are the guys that are on the top 100 players nowadays that they do on NFL. I mean, you need those types. Those are stars. Those are impact players. And when you miss on those, boy, it's really hard. It is really hard. And that's the thing, Tony. Even going back to Coughlin's first-round picks, he, he had a lot of faults and he missed on guys, but he hit his first-round picks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you think of uh, Tom's first rounders. You, um, me, Stu. Stu was a good running back. Good running um, back. Uh, he was the last pick of the first round too. He was really a second rounder because because we had the extra picks. Right. Um, Hardy. Kevin Hardy, Pro Bowl player. Um, Fred Taylor. Um, Fernando Bryant starter. Donovan Darius starter. Ronaldo Darius starter. Ronaldo. Uh, all those guys are starters. And then it went bad. When the panic started, when he picked R.J. Soward, that panic. Yeah, and then, then he got back on track, though. You know, John Henderson. Marcus Stroud. Stroud. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, for the most part. Now, you can argue some of the down-the-road guys he picked that were kind of like, huh? And by the way, that's, that was the nucleus of our team when we were good. That and a couple of high about Here's about the, these first-round picks, though. You had knuckleheads in a lot of those first-round picks. And, and, for example, Justin Blackman was a disaster. Jalen Ramsey didn't work out. In large part because of himself. Dante Fowler. You you remember all the stories you heard about Dante Fowler when he was in Jacksonville. He was immature. He wasn't going to his rehab meetings. He wasn't doing a lot of things. In a lot of those situations, you knew they had issues in some situations and you drafted them anyway. So that's why that's part of the problem. At some point, that has to be corrected. By the way, JP, one thing. The 2013 draft was awful. And, and you know, we can, you can nail Jokel for all you want, but... Eric Fisher is a decent player, but he was the first overall pick. And let's not forget, the other guy they were going to take was the pass rusher from Oregon who's busted out all over the place, Deion Jordan. So it was just a bit. 2013 was a terrible draft. And that was the Ziggy well, Anza year, right, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they were thinking about him, too. But they didn't. They yeah. couldn't figure out how old he was. But, you know, that's another thing, too, Tony, with, with you. You still think Joke was coming back to play left tackle? No play. Come on, no answer the question, Tony. History Tony has ever taken up for more than Luke Joker. 
I, I always feel bad for him. That's why. You wanted that's the situation he was in. You wanted him to be Baby Bo so bad, but it never worked out that way. I didn't. I know. I wanted him to be Luke Jokel. I just wanted him to be him. Yeah. <laughs> the full archive from Monday afternoon available on the Jags Podcast Network and Jaguars.com. Now that Fournette is gone, what will that running back room look like? Before the final cut, the Jags had an eighth-year player, two second-year players, and two undrafted rookies. Veteran NFL assistant and Jags running backs coach Terry Rubisky explained the room Tuesday. It looks young. It looks uh, energetic. It looks um, look like a bunch of fresh guys. You know, just a bunch of uh, uh, big eye guys that's uh, that's glaring to go. Uh, just one opportunity. They want they wanted an opportunity, and I think they feel the opportunity is there. And a group of guys that's, um, I think a group of guys that's ready to go meet the challenge, you know, go prove themselves. And like I said, everybody in life wants an opportunity. Uh, I got a group of guys that's, uh, that's got a shot. They've got an opportunity here, and it's, uh, uh, it's right before them. That veteran running back remaining is Chris Thompson. He was signed this year in free agency, and he enters his eighth NFL season. The previous seven of those were with Washington, where he racked up more receiving yards than rushing yards under head coach Jay Gruden. Of course, Gruden is now the offensive coordinator here. Thompson described how they found out Fournette was waived and what that means for the rest of the running back room. Yeah, we were shocked about it. Um, he came in the room a couple minutes before our team meeting and let us know that he had got released. We didn't believe it. We thought he was joking because, you know, he laughs and jokes with us all the time. And uh, it wasn't really until uh, Coach Marone said it in the team meeting that we really believed it. And, um, you know, it was a shocker for everybody. The mood was just different that day uh, or different yesterday at practice. But you know, it's the NFL, and we just have to rock with the decisions that's being made. What have you seen out of some of the younger backs on the roster with uh, Divino, Zigbo, James Robinson, and uh, Reichwell? Just looking at their skill sets, they're guys that, in my opinion, I think they can do a little bit of everything. They're good pass catchers. Uh, they can run routes pretty good, and, and their vision is uh, amazing, especially James. I think he's one of those guys, to me, in my opinion, probably has the, the best vision out of all of us, and um, it's it's been great to see um, a young guy like that be able to come in and, and be able to make the plays and hit the holes that he's he's been able to um, hit, and I'm excited. I'm excited for all the guys. Um, Nate, he's the fastest running back that we have um, right now. And uh, so I'm excited for him and his future. And then Nate and Raquel and, and Zig, they're both guys that were here last year. And now, you know, with Leonard not being here, they're going to be able to get a lot more opportunities. And uh, from what I saw from what uh, Rock did last year and Zig, especially in that last game against the Colts, um, I think they have those guys have a lot of potential. And, you know, we're going to see here moving forward. We move now to the trade of defensive end Yannick Ngakwe to the Minnesota Vikings. The Jaguars received a second-round pick in 2021 and a conditional fifth-round pick in the 2022 draft. Defensive coordinator Todd Wash worked Ngakwe out the weeks prior to the 2016 draft and had a close relationship with Ngakwe throughout his career in Jacksonville. Wash explained his feelings after the trade was made official and what they might have left on the table for number 91. You know, obviously I was excited for the player. You know, it's something that, that, that Jan wanted. I'm excited for the club that, uh, you know, there was a deal made where obviously we feel comfortable with that. You, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I think it worked out for both sides. Obviously I have a, a strong uh, feelings for Jan and, uh, you know, having him for three or four years and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. And, uh, you know, both the organization and Jan, we all have to move on. What were some of the things that you were hoping to do or what sort of the feelings that you have on 
not being able to maybe fully utilize him like you were hoping you'd be able to? Well, I think a lot of it was, you know, we were going to move him around a little bit. Jan's a very intelligent football player. Uh, We were going to do some things schematically, obviously, just to move him around, uh, get him on space, get him in edges. There wasn't really a like you said, a situation where we could really get to that. But at the same time, you know, we've we've kind of built some things. So if we have players that fit that role, we're able to, you know, get them in that role that best fits their skill set. With Ngakwe now gone, we all know, of course, what Josh Allen can do. But now enter 2020 first-round pick Caleb Chason, who Wash says will play defensive end exclusively, at least at the start. But he still has plenty of versatility up front. I think he's a lot stronger than I anticipated. You know, when he gets down there and lines up on tight ends and stuff, um, he's a lot stronger than I thought he was going to be. So we're really excited about that, the strength and he can play, and we can get both of them on the field at the same time in a lot of situations, him and Josh. The biggest thing is you see him really show up uh, as a pass rusher. It, you know, he's getting on edges. Um, we need to continue to work with some power and that kind of stuff. But you see a natural pass rusher, which is really nice to see, especially as a rookie. And uh, I think there's a big upside, not only in the run game, Game, but as a, a pass rusher. Full media conference archives are available each week on Jaguars.com. And of course, later in the week, third-year safety Ronnie Harrison was shipped to the Cleveland Browns for a 2021 fifth-round draft pick. And on Jaguars Happy Hour Thursday afternoon, Jeff Lagerman and I reacted to the news that broke an hour earlier. Ronnie Harrison gone, though, after only two years in the National Football League going into his third season. What Are you surprised by this move at all? I, I, I wouldn't use the word surprised. You know, here, here's the thing, JP. If you look at what's happened over the last couple of days with the Jaguars, and and you kind of marry that with what they've been talking about all throughout the off season, all through the preseason here, even though there hasn't been any games, but in training camp, they've talked about at length about changing the culture, and changing the culture to me means that you want to get rid of some guys that you don't particularly like, that maybe you don't feel that they're strong in the locker room, that they're meant for your team. And then Ronnie Harrison also might have been a case of, look, we've got a lot of talent at that position. We feel really good about the other guys that we have. You know, let's face it, Ronnie Harrison was not a a premium starter for this football team, not anywhere close to being a premium starter. He was a a good player, uh, but are there other guys that have a talent or a skill set that's close to him? Absolutely. So if you got some other guys that are pretty close to you, you better have a lot of good culture about you And I don't know if Ronnie Harrison, that was the case. Jaguars Happy Hour airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoons on Jags' social channels. And the Monday and Thursday shows air in Jacksonville on radio on 1010XL AM. When we return, DJ Hayden gives us some insight to a few of his teammates. Gardner Minshew tells us what the locker room thinks about tanking. And Doug Marone takes us inside the final team meeting before roster cuts. All that after this. Jags fans, TIAA Bank is here to help you keep your money working hard, week in and week out. Open a yield pledge checking or money market account today and start scoring some of the most competitive rates in the country. To see how we can fit into your financial game plan, visit a financial center near you or find us online at TIAABank.com slash Jags. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And, of course, game day is right around the corner, and we can't wait to be Duve all together again. The Jags are taking every precaution to keep fans safe at TIAA Bank Field this fall, from cashless concessions to contactless entry. Visit jaguars.com slash stadium and learn more. And, of course, tickets are available in pods for all home games in 2020, including next week's season opener on kickoff weekend against those division rival Indianapolis Colts. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets for all the information. After a lot of heavy Jaguars news this week, let's lighten it up a bit with veteran nickel cornerback DJ Hayden. He joined Ashwin Sullivan this week on Jaguars All Access TV Thursday night, and he gave us insight to a few of his teammates off the field. I hate to put you on the spot, but here we go. Which teammate has the best locker room playlist? The locker room playlist? Mm-hmm. Me. Of course, DJ Hayden has the best locker room playlist. Like, I'm playing everything. I'm playing playing rap. I'm playing R&B. I'm playing country. I'm playing, I'm playing whatever you like. Like, I got whatever you want. I got it. So, yeah, me, myself, moi. I'm hearing DJ Chark. Why is that? Because he bought the speaker. It's his speaker. <laughs> That's why. But I got, it's hooked up to my phone, too. So, I mean, DJ, he plays some good music, too. I ain't gonna lie. But, like, when I'm on, though, everybody bobbing their hair, like, boom, boom, boom. But they don't even know it's me, though. That's the thing, though. Yeah. I just secretly, ooh, ooh, ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> you got to start giving yourself more credit and let everyone know it's your playlist. I don't want the, I don't want the credit. I just want everybody bobbing their head. That's all, all right. I need. Fair enough. Which teammate has the worst fashion sense? We're going to call some people out right now. Ooh, Miles Jack. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Because Miles just, like, like that's my guy, though, man. I love Miles to death, bro. But Miles just... Miles come with the pants sagging, with the big shirt, just like, ah. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely Miles. Yikes, yeah. The the away game outfits, he he's getting there. He's making it work. All right, which teammate yeah. is the most likely to steal your food, whether it be at lunch, you guys have locker room snacks. Which teammate is steal coming up and taking food? Steal your food. Probably Keelan Cole. Because <laughs> Keelan, like, real childish. He, he like to play a lot, so it's probably Keelan. Dang. We found out a lot about your teammates. Thanks for giving us the insight. No problem. Absolutely. All right, DJ Hayden, thanks so much for joining Jaguars All Access. Oh, bet. Thank you. Jaguars All Access television airs Thursday nights at 7 o'clock on Fox 30. With all the moves earlier this week that, of course, cranked up all the national pundits again, reviving the conversation of the Jaguars, quote-unquote, tanking the season in order to improve draft position in 2021 for a possible quarterback. The 2020 Jaguars starting quarterback is Gardner Minshew. He has a lot on his plate to begin with this season, but he was asked by AP writer Mark Long about the idea of tanking inside the locker room. It's kind of renewed this whole national talk about, is this team tanking? Do you, you guys, t- is, that, is that disrespectful to you and the teammates that you have around you, that, that uh, the quality of talent you guys have, that you would think that anybody would look at this team and think that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, more than anything, it really just shows that people aren't watching us very closely. You know, I think people see it from afar and see, oh, they're losing their biggest names, but that's not how we feel. And I mean, realistically, I know if we if we're tanking, you know, Coach Ron, uh, Dave Caldwell, and me are probably going to be out of jobs. So I know us three and a lot of those other guys in the locker room are not going to let that crap happen. Um, so I, I feel very confidently in everybody's desire to win. And uh, that's absolutely not anything that uh, 
you know, we envision happening. Good stuff from Gardner there. And, of course, we all know Minshew is going to make the team this year. But there are some other decisions that might not be so easy this weekend. And on Jags Drive Time Thursday morning, Ashwin Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton each picked a position group of interest when it comes to roster numbers. One times one is one. One times two is two. Head coach Doug Marone giving everyone a fair chance to make this team at the start of training camp. And now we are here. We find out Sunday at 4 o'clock. Who is going to make this final roster as we get into some roster math, breaking down some numbers, who's going to make the active roster, who's going to make the practice squad, going position by position on groups we think have a lot of competition. So, Brian, you have one of the most complicated ones this training camp because of all the shifting we have seen on the defensive line. Well, and I... I think that what you look at is versatility in a guy like Dewan Smoot, and that really helps you with your numbers. But normally you're going to try to keep nine defensive linemen. And with a guy like Smoot, who's big enough that you could put him down in some pass rushing situations and let him play that three technique, you, know, you could keep eight. So we'll say the defensive tackles are going to be Taven Bryan, Avery Jones, Devon Hamilton, and Timmy Jernigan. And then again, Smoot can kind of swing between those two positions. At defensive end, it's a little tougher. You trade away Ngakwe, and you don't have Laurente McRae, who was always an option for them in pass rushing situations. So obviously, Josh Allen and Caleb on Chason are one and two. Smoot is three. And then Curtis Marsh, who is a guy who has worked with the linebackers and the defensive ends, has pass rush ability, becomes that fourth defensive end. Now, they could go for the ninth, which is something that they've tried to do around here most of the time. You need a rotation of big bodies on that uh, interior of the line to be able to effectively stop the run, especially in this division with a guy like Derrick Henry coming downhill at you. Well, they probably have to look for that fifth defensive tackle because of the injuries and the opt-outs and the attrition at the position. They go find somebody on the waiver wire, somebody maybe even if they're not completely sold, although I think their first four set, maybe you have to throw a draft pick in there somewhere, a late round pick to find a guy. But I think they've got a little versatility because of Smoot. I'm going to say they keep eight. John Osier, cornerbacks, what do you got? This is a, uh, a position that if all you do is look at experience, it's going to scare you because they are going to keep a lot of youth on this. I went with uh, obviously CJ Henderson and Trey Herndon, the two starters. Hayden is the is the nickel. Hosiah uh, Scott, the rookie, uh, the rookie plays behind Hayden at the nickel, I think. And then all of a sudden, you're talking more youth. You're talking Chris Claybrooks. You're talking Luke Barku, perhaps uh, Tremaine Brock, Perry Nickerson. I think they probably go with Brock over Nickerson. Then all of a sudden, you're keeping seven. But but you know, again, I think you could see a guy like Brock. Uh, as strange as it sounds practice squad this year has no age limit no experience limit so some of these guys we're talking about will be on the practice squad as guys they are able to bring up and remember the, the fascinating thing about the practice squad this year unlike past years when you left those guys exposed they can now protect four practice squad guys a week so they really are part of your team, and we really are, I think, talking about, for the most part, very little movement on the practice squad and having more of a 69-man roster, which, again, means you're going to have huge numbers of these positions in reality. 
Now, finally, we are looking at wide receiver. If the Jaguars keep six receivers, which would be the norm, they're going to have to cut a good player. I'm looking at Terry Godwin here. has been definitely impressive. Put in a reverse Terry, of course. We've seen it on touchdowns. Josh Hammond has shown up at times during camp. You would think maybe there's a role with one of these guys being on that practice squad. We've talked about maybe even that reserve spot in the four spots. But with how deep the wide receiver room is with Chark and Connolly and Cole, Colin Johnson, I think we all agree that he probably most likely will make the team. That argument for one of those four spots on the practice squad, you could definitely make the argument that has to go to another position group that isn't as deep because John Bryan, I think this wide receiver room is as deep as we've seen it in a long time. Jags drive time here is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings at 9 o'clock on at Jaguars on social media and the team site. And the archives, of course, are available on the Jags official podcast network. Yes, there's been plenty of change this week. And, of course, there is uncertainty outside the building about what the Jags can do this year. But inside the building, head coach Doug Marone addressed all that with a team Thursday and the final team meeting before roster cuts. On his radio show later that day, Marone told us what he told the team about what kind of players they want for this organization. We're really forming this football team for what we believe in. And I told the players that today. I said it's very clear. I have a very clear vision of what we're looking for. One, we're looking for players that we can trust, that are going to do everything they can to make sure they're in the right position, do all the right things, that they know that when something's called, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, that you know they're not worrying, hey, is that, does that guy know what he's doing? All right, They know that that guy's put in the work. The second thing you know, that we're looking for, obviously, is you know, with our players, is team first, which is probably the biggest thing. You know, we want to make sure in, in today's world, and we know it, there's a lot going on with branding, all this stuff, you know, players, outside endorsements, pictures here, whatever it may be. But be able to celebrate your teammates. Hey, listen, you know, I tried to tell them today. I said, uh, I, I've been through this a couple of times. And, you know, when you win, everybody usually does well. Uh, contracts, um, endorsements, whatever it may be. But the team needs to win. When the team doesn't win, those things don't occur. So we want guys that can celebrate with each other, that pull for each other, that have a team first type mentality. The next two things are just coachability, which I've talked about all the time, and availability. You know, we want guys that are coachable, communicating with their coaches, you know, really working through it, why we're doing this, you know, putting them in the best position and form that partnership. And then obviously the availability is a lot of it is, hey, are you doing the right things to stay on the field? Are you getting treatment? Are you taking care of your body? And those things, and those are the four things that I'm looking for, and that's what I explained to the team um, and reiterated it to them today. Because, you know, like you said, there is a lot of talk out there, but uh, make no mistake about it, it's it's a very clear vision of what we're looking for. The Doug Marone Show airs each Thursday at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network. An official announcement of roster cuts is expected Saturday with General Manager Dave Caldwell scheduled to speak around 4 o'clock. It will also be his first public comment since the trades of Ngakwe and Harrison and the waving of Leonard Fournette. John Osher will have a full breakdown of the final moves on Jaguars.com. Catch all the Jaguars news, video, and audio on the official team website, Jaguars.com. Thanks for listening and have a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. I'm J.P. Shadrick. And we'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.